This is Capital City with Capital J. I think one of the dopest tracks in the world to me is um, Ultimate High by Nature. Oh. I did not know Ski did that. Hey, man. That, oh, man. That that particular track on that joint always stuck out to me from the producer. Now, my favorite, my favorite all-time um, Ski Beat. Huh. Was pace one? I declare war. I declare war. Okay, dude was behind the scenes of a lot of daggone good stuff. Right, right, absolutely was. And you know, people—that's the kind of stuff we like. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. Right. She never took time to think about who produced it. Who produced it? You about ready to make that call, man? Yes. What time is nine eleven? It's Capital City. I'm your host, Capital J. This is my main man. DL Glass. We're in the building today. Right now, this is just the intro. We're going to spend a little time talking with um, legendary producer, hip-hop icon, Ski Beats. And in the meantime, you know, we're just talking and reminiscing about some of our favorite Ski Beat classic joints. Who you with, Jay-Z? Out the park. (laughs) Hey. Bitch, who you with? Hello. Hello. Ski. Yeah. Hey, what's up, man? What's up, man? It's Capital J, man. Capital J. What up, brother? What's happening, man? Man, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. Hey, good. My man, we got DL Glass. Y'all met. How you doing, brother? How you doing? What's up, man? Good to hear from you, brother. Good to hear from you. Yeah, sorry about last week, man. Or whenever that was, I got. I was. I totally just. I forgot, my bad. <laughs> yeah, I get it. What y'all up to? Man, we're just sitting here. Actually, you know, while we were waiting, we actually started talking, trying to figure mm-hmm. out, you know, what's our favorite Ski Bees joint? You know what I mean? And okay. Which, which really got us digging through a long catalog. <laughs> 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 so I guess before we even get to that point, man, you know, we on – and for anybody who doesn't know you, I'm going to start and you just finish for me, okay? Okay. All right. Right about now, on the phone, we have Ski Beats, legendary North Carolina producer, worldwide. He's been involved in hip-hop since the 80s and is still out here working. Still relevant, still important. Now, what we want to know first is how does a kid from Greensboro, North Carolina, into the the sphere of hip hop in the way that you did and become, you know, get get rooted and and make this thing that you made. Man, you know, it all started with that that love. You know what I'm saying? That spark. That you know. What I think I went to a. Um, Man, so many, so many facets to this, man. Like my brother, like back when I was a kid, my brother, his friend, um, they had got this record. Uh, what was the name of that record? Who made that song? Old school joint. Don't stop the music. Don't you stop it. Y'all are peoples. Right. They was playing that record and they was rapping. And I'm like, yo, what are y'all doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I, I just, as soon as I heard them, 
try to rap, I just gravitated to a crazy. Right. And, you know, when they when they left the room, I just started you know, trying to write little raps and stuff. And that was my first, you know, um, introduction to hip-hop. And then I started, you know, hearing, you know, groups like the Sugar Hill Gang and, you know, all these, you know, King Tim Third groups like that. And that, you know, that just obviously, you know, put the battery in my back. But I think it really went, went crazy for me when I went to my first Fresh Fest. Remember the Fresh Fest? Right. Where you come to Greensboro? Right. I yeah, do. when I went to the, yeah, when I went to my first Fresh Fest, man, and I saw like one DMC, LL Cool J, Salt and Pepper, Fat Boys, all of them live on stage, the uh, Dynamic Breakers, and I just saw, you know, that, 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 the culture. Right. And that's when I was like, yo, I gotta do this. This is like what I want to do, you know? And that's when I, mm -hmm. and that's when I, you know, the universe, man, God just started, you know, putting people in my life. You know, Eli introduced me to Mix Master D, bless your soul, man. I was, you know, he taught me, him and Fanatic taught me everything. Um, Introduced me to Mix Master D, Mix Master D introduced me to Fanatic. Fanatic, you know, at the time they had a group called the Crushing Seas and, one of their MCs, uh, GM2, he was about to, I think, go to college, so he couldn't be in the group anymore. So he asked me if I wanted to, you know, get down. And I was like, yeah, it sounds dope. And uh, boom, once I hooked up with them, man, they started, you know, introducing me to microphones and drum machines and turntables, you know, all that hip-hop stuff, you know what I mean? I do, man. And, um, <laughs> and I locked in. I locked in with it, man. I just locked in. You know, obviously, those who know me, you know, I started with the Busy Boys, was the MC first. Um, but I always kind of dabbled around with the beats, you know, watching Fanatic. He had the SP 1200, you know, when he wasn't on it, I would get on it and kind of like, you know, watch what he was doing and, you know, try to, you know, uh, emulate what he was doing until I kind of figured out, you know, what the SP 1200 did. And then when the busy boys broke up, uh, I don't know what year that was, but when they broke up, you remember, uh, Roland, you know, he was from New York originally. Yeah. And for those who also. don't. R.I.P. Roll, man. For those who don't know Roll, man, he was uh, the owner of uh, Payroll Records. Mm. Where we put a lot of, you know, Busy Boys put a lot of uh, the music on that label. But anyhow, you know, when the Busy Boys broke up, Roll was about to move back to New York. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to go. It was me, him, and Nyborn. And um, I left, man. I had my SP-1200. Got my mom's permission. That's how long ago it was. I had to get permission. Got my mom's permission to leave. <laughs> And once I got to New York, man, it was just, it was on after that, man. I just went, I went into a deep. Right. And so this, so this will be around the time that I'm hearing you in original flavor. Is this what, the, the, the catalyst to that movement right there? Yeah, it, it was almost original flavor time. When I moved to New York, uh, we was in Jersey first. Um, Roland, he hooked up with this guy named Jeffrey, who owned a studio in Inglewood, New Jersey. <clears throat> and, um, I lived there. I just stayed in the studio. I never left the studio. And uh, one day, Suave, my first partner with Original Flavor, he came through the studio with this um, this cop who rapped. And the cop was looking for beats. Now, the studio had a Studio A and a Studio B. And I was always in Studio B. And the Studio A was this guy from uh, Canada named Marlon. And they was trying to get beats from him. But Marlon, you know, his thing was like dance music, so he didn't really do hip-hop. But he told the cop, like, hey, there's a kid in the back. He does a lot of hip-hop beats. You might want to talk to him. 
And so when I met Suave and Jerome, the cop was asking me where I lived, what was going on, you know, with me. You know, your beats are dope. How can I get these beats? And I'm like, well, I live in this studio right here. This is where I stay. And he said, well, I got an apartment that has a whole studio in it. And if you make my beats, I'll let you stay in that apartment. Because right now I'm still with my girl, so I'm not even staying there. Oh so, you know, God. right. So he was a cop. So, I, you know, I kind of trusted him. I'm like, all right, let me, you know, let me, yeah, let me man, see the spot. Safe. <laughs> right. right, right, exactly. So he took me over to Harlem, saw the crib. It was dope. It was laid out. It was a nice crib. Had the full studio, mixing board, mics, everything right there. And I'm like, oh, this is it right here. So, I, you know, I took him up on his offer, started making his beats. And while I was making his beats, I was, me and Swall was, you know, building a relationship. And, you know, he was letting, you know, he was rhyming, letting me hear his rhyme. And I like the slow. And I was so used to being in a group. I said, yo, let's make a group, man. You know, you rap, I rap. It's called Original Flavor, Boom Boom. So while I'm making the beats for this cop, I'm making, I'm working on Original Flavor's demo. And um, to, back, to, to go back in time a little bit, now, you know, when we started the Busy Boys, you know, we used to open up, you know, a lot of shows at the Coliseum and, and you know, places in Greensboro. And um, we met a lot of artists. And one of the artists that we met was Dana Dane. Mm. And Clark Kent, you know, obviously was Dana Dane's DJ. Right. So Clark was like, you know, hey, if you guys ever come to New York, look me up. And I so happened to have his number while I was in New York. And when I had the tape ready, I called Clark and the timing was perfect because Clark had just got to the position of uh, a on at Atlantic Records. So he told me, hey, bring the thing. I'll definitely listen to it. Brought it up there. He wasn't there when I brought it. So I left it with the um, lady at the desk. But what, a week later, he called me and was like, yo, this thing is dope. Uh, Atlantic Records want to sign you. And then, boom, that's how I started. And the day I signed my deal, Dame Dash was there with his cousin Darian Dash and Clark was like, hey, Dame Dash want to manage you. Um, and, you know, I'm like just happy to get a deal. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Come on, let's go. You know what I mean? Right. And then that's, you know, that's how I connected with Dash. The same day I got my deal. And from there, you know, it was just a whirlwind, man. Just, you know, Jay came into play. Everything just started happening. Man, that's, you know, I want to say something and, and, and I please, I, I don't want to interrupt your story, but I just, the first part of your story, I, I, we've sat here and had many podcasts, and all those people you named, and well, and you included, I have told a lot of similar stories from my mm-hmm. own perspective with the same people in it. You see what I'm saying? Rogan yeah, yeah, for sure. And and Dana and Fanatic and Nyborn. And it's mm-hmm. and it's the same stuff, man. I was like, yo, this is this is how it happens. And um, yeah, yeah, all those people were, were instrumental in so many ways. Even Clark Kent, uh, it, didn't didn't he used to come down here and DJ back in the day sometimes too? Yep, I believe so. Right, right. So, so it's it's crazy, man. Like these same people. If anybody who's listened to his podcast, you've heard these names over and over again because I've mentioned them as being so instrumental to anybody having any type of success <laughs> in hip hop around here. Right. And then for you to yeah. come on and you mentioned the exact same people that I've been naming. <laughs> so man, it, hey, it was it was definitely instrumental for us back then, man. Right. Definitely, man. Right. Definitely. Yep. So so we we passed we we're in the original flavor. But stage. really, I mean I mean not to cut you off, but really yeah. the most important people 
to me was Fanatic, Dana, Mark Spark, Eli. Those are the most important people to me and how I came up. Those are like, you know, that's the root. You know what I'm saying? That, that started everything. It's, I, I look at me being in the Busy Boys and me doing the hip-hop thing in North Carolina for all them years was like me going to like a four- or five-year college, getting my education. So when I went to New York, I was already, you know, trained in how to perform in shows. I was already Same. trained with how to make songs and do beats. You feel me? Yep. And and I came to Greensboro and went to the same school you did with the same people. <laughs> yep. I just I just had a conversation a couple of weeks back and we talked about how I said, man, you know, when I first got there I didn't know how to work the SP. And one day Fanatic actually spent some time with me when he stayed over there near near UNCG. And mm-hmm. this is like when I first got to Greensboro, I'm a freshman in college. I, I didn't know him like that. And that was, I thought that was really awesome of him to even spend, take the time. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. but he did that, man. And, and then later I met K nice and through him, I meet Roland and Nyborn and Nyborn spent a little more time with me on the SP. And then Dana yeah. showed me some more stuff and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I yeah. learned, I learned from, from through the same circle and we and we talked about how you know the production even the the production the way that that you work the sp you know there are a lot of things that are shared amongst the group <laughs> yeah that yeah. I, you know that i know because we all you know right learn in the in a similar circle early on mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm but it's it's good it's good that you're coming here. It's it's direct confirmation, man, that, that all these people are so legendary and important to the to the blueprint of, of North Carolina hip hop and hip hop in general, not just North Carolina. This is more far reaching than just oh, our yeah. area. So Oh yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, man, sorry to interrupt you, man. We we with original flavor now. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, original flavor, yeah. So boom, you know, we get the deal. Uh you know, we do the first album, second album, we do the second album. Uh, Suave, he didn't make the second album. He kind of left the group, so I, I connected with Tone Hooker. That's what I mean. Tone became, you know, partner. He became my new partner. And around that time, um, Clark had found Jay-Z and wanted to introduce Jay-Z to Dan because he thought, you know, Dan could manage him and, you know, it would get some things popping. So uh, I remember Jay-Z... Jazzo and Source Money coming to um, one of our video shoots. And um, Clark was like, yo, you know, Jay, this is Dame. Kid, I was talking about, you know, I think he'll be a good manager for you. Boom, boom, boom. And Dame was like, yo, let me hear you guys spit something. And all three of them brothers was crazy nice. But Jay, you know, he, he kind of stood out. You know what I'm saying? But they was all, like, incredibly punchline time. And you know, like when a comedian tells a good joke, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they punchlines were so perfectly timed. You just looked at them like, wow. And um, when I heard Jay rap, I knew I wasn't going to rap no more. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'd rather spend my time because I, I, I'm not as good as him and I'm never going to be as good as him. So I'd rather take the time and, you know, just create some music for this kid because this kid is dope. What so what we did scene? was, Wow, that was like 90, 94, 95, 96, somewhere in that area. Okay. Um, right. And, um, you know, obviously we put Jay-Z on uh, Can I Get Open. Um, since we, you know, we was the first ones with the deal that was with Dan, we put him on Can I Get Open to kind of bring him out with us, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, so I, when, I when, you know, we did our look, 
Right. When we did our little college tours and things like that, we always brought Jay with us. Um, but, you know, Jay always, you know, he always shined when, when he came out with us. And so, you know, when we, you know, after we got off the road, we went back to New York. That's when, um, you know, Jay started coming around the crib and I was just, you know, making beats and he was just writing and we was just coming up with songs. Clark was working with him. I was working with him. Uh, obviously, you know, Primo and everybody else is on the album. But me and Clark, we did like Clark initially, he did the initial groundwork because Clark had already had like maybe four or five songs already recorded with Jay, you know, from the Cash and the Thoughts, you know, all them mm-hmm. songs that was on the album. Right. And, you know, when we heard those, we kind of caught the vibe and the energy of where he wanted to go. And then, you know, I kind of I kind of put my spin on it. Um, and a lot of the music that I made for Reasonable Doubt, a lot of the sounds were definitely inspired by uh, Mark Spark. Because I used to hang out in the studio. Because Mark was really the first one out of all of us to start getting placements. He was working with, like, what, Mary J. Blige, Grand Poover, like yeah. the whole Uptown crew. You know what I'm saying? He was the first one. Something so I used to always go to D&D with him and just listen to what he was doing. And it was just incredible. So I kind of caught that, that that jazzy bug, you know. Right, bug right. got kind of, you know, feel from him. And I just put my spin on it. And, um, yeah, and, you know, we worked, we worked, we worked. We had a whole album. Before Reasonable Doubt, we had did like a whole other album that we never even came out with before Reasonable Doubt. Um, and then we start, you know, and then we start making the songs that actually made the, uh, you know, the Reasonable Doubt world my songs. So, so from that ended up on the album. From a fan perspective, I, I want to know feeling it. Like, what's the vibe like for feeling it? Feeling it, man. Feeling it, you know. If you know the story, I don't know if you know the story behind feeling it, but that was my song. I was uh, working on a solo album because mm-hmm. original flavor we had, you know, we had broke up, and um, I was working on a solo album. So I had did the song. That was my first single. I did did the song feeling it. It was me, my homegirl Mecca. She was singing the hook, mm-hmm. and I had Gigi Sway from Cam Low on it, and um, and I was excited about that record, you know. Right. And I, I went to Dame Crib. I said, yo, check it out. I think I got my first single. It's about to be crazy. <laughs> I played it for him, and Jay-Z was there. Uh, and they heard it. And, you know, Jay was like, yo, man, you know, I need that for my album, man. I need that. Uh, you know, and I'm a team player. And I knew he was going to, you know, crush it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, the, but the, the dope thing was, you know, he kept the hook and okay. and the flow. Like the way he was flowing on filling it was how I was flowing when I when I wrote the record. So he took the flow and he kept the hook. Yo, you're exactly so, right, man. When I think oh about it, man. You know, I can I can hear you spitting that when the, from the original. You know, <laughs> you know the, 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 the feeling it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Nice, nice. Yep. Hey, man. But you know, I, I, I always like I always like uh, when I was when I'm making beats. I always like melodic type of beats. Like, I mean, I knew Primo, Finesse, and them. They had, like, you know, Primo definitely had, like, the harder edge type of beats. And I didn't, you know, and I like Primo, but I didn't want to sound like Primo. So I always try to, you know, find super musical samples that I know, especially around that time, nobody was doing that. You know, like, from the from the Lucinis and the Philinists and the Dead Presidents, nobody was right. using those type of samples. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. 
you know, and everybody was like hard, edgy, scratching, you know, you know, just like New York boom bap type of hip hop. So I wanted to change it up with with the colors, with the with the music and stuff. How and much, um, how much of your North Carolina um, roots played a role into your um, your your music? hundred a hundred percent. Yeah, still to this day, you know, I'm from NC. I'm I'm from North Carolina. And everything musically I learned is from North Carolina. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So that's always going to be, um, that's in me. That's in my DNA, bro. You know, another name you brought up, man, Mark Sparks, man. That's mm-hmm. um, that's another name that I brought up in here, you know, not too long ago. And I specifically mentioned before, do you remember, I don't know, You, I'm sure you might have heard this because you're very well in the circle. So you remember the early days of Anthony Hamilton when he was working with Mark Sparks? Yeah, Soul Life Records. That incredible work, man, that, mm-hmm. that just never saw the light of day. I was I was talking with my man D.L. about that. And, you know, I don't want to get sidetracked, but since Mark Sparks' name came up, man, please co-sign yeah. On how incredible that stuff was. Oh man, what, what they was doing over there, so like with, with, with Anthony Sunshine, all that. Their whole crew was musical, incredible. They was making some incredible music, man. I I don't know. I never like went to L.A. when Mark was doing his thing full time with that thing, but I was hearing what they was doing. I'm like, yo, this is really really crazy. Yeah, but um, ahead of his time at the moment, you know. Definitely. Yep. But you know, music industry, man, all types of stuff can happen, bro. All types of stuff can happen, man. Yes, indeed. But you know, Anthony bounced. Anthony definitely bounced back. He definitely, you know, he he was talented and he made it happen for sure. Yep, came back on the whole in a whole different, not a different lane, but didn't even sound like the original stuff that we heard, and didn't have to. You know, he can do. Yeah, he's got incredible talent. range. Exactly, incredible range. So. So you've been you've been taking us on a journey through you know down your timeline, man. And this is extremely interesting. We appreciate this a whole lot, man. You know, this one's for posterity right here. You know, so it's all love, man. You already know. Yep. So, so right now we're mm-hmm. we're, we're, in, we're into Jay Z's first album. And we're into Jay Z's first album, and I'm, now I'm living in the Bronx while I'm making this album. And I'm living with this Puerto Rican girl and her mom and her brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, they took they took me in. And um, big shout out to Evelyn Travieso. But anyhow, <laughs> I'm there. I'm in the Bronx. I'm on 197th and Valentine. And this is a little kid, always on the block. Him and his brother Haas, they're always on the block. One day, Evelyn, she hit me up and said, yo, Saladin, man, he, he, uh, he raps. He wants to talk to you. So, you know, I met him. He came to the crib. I heard, I heard him rap. He was whack, but I liked his voice. <laughs> so, I, I, so I took him to Clark's house, and I made a little demo with him. And it came out pretty good. And I lost touch with him for a minute. But when he came back, then he came back with a partner, Sonny Chiba. Um. And, 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 and they had the name of their group was CeeLo, like, the, you know, the dice game. Right. But when I heard them rap together and I heard what they was rapping about and I saw how they was dressing and, and, and they was just talking this 
you know, incredible out of this world job talk, you know, that nobody's going to understand, but it was just, it was dope. You know what I'm saying? It was different. It was dope. It was wild abstract. Right. And, um, <laughs> you know, now mind you, when I started working on their album, I was working on Reason Without at the same time. So I'm at D&D and I got two rooms booked. I got A and B booked. I got Cam Low and B. I got Jay-Z and A. And I'm doing both albums at the same time, bro. Okay. So so you're 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 helping explain a part of a timeline for me. Because mm-hmm. when um okay, my brother, rest in peace. Yep. The time period that 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 we were involved with you and Charlie and Jocko is the time period right before Camp Low is coming out, but I'm not understanding that Camp Low has been waiting in the wings for years now. Because by the time this happened, it's uh-huh. a couple of years huh. later, right? So it, it, not, it wasn't. It, it was. It was like a, a year later. A year like later. Like I met Sway. Yeah, I met Sway. You know, we lost touch for a minute, but when he came back around, he was with Chi. And by that time, I was living in Harlem. Uh, I was living in the same building Dane was living in, and you know, and I was working on you know Reason Without, and I was working on them too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right, yeah, right. Because I, I remember, you know, at the time when um, before my brother passed away, the part of one of the things that we were excited about was, you know, they said Ski Ski got the the, the group Camp Low, and and they think we could get your spot on this soundtrack. I think it was was a great white hype or or was it? Oh great yeah, white hype? yeah, yeah, yep, yep. It was a great white hype soundtrack, and you know my brother ended up passing away. But I do remember their project being in work and work in works at the same time. You know, you know I always, wow. yeah, I always always connect that in my head. So you just get now now we hitting that part of the timeline. You know, there's a convergence. Yep. And my brother passed away in '95, so I know we're in in '95 now, '94, '95. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so tell us a little bit more about the Camp Low project because this is this is interesting to me because you know I met those guys a lot in Greensboro. You see them in Greensboro a lot, you know, man. Cool, real cool guys, man. Down to earth dudes, man. I love those guys. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, tell us a little bit more about your relationship with them because I really didn't didn't know that much about y'all's relationship. So. Oh man, yeah, you know, like I said, solid man, Gigi Sway. He was um he lived like a, the building over from where I was staying with um with Evelyn. And um well, you know, we hit it off as soon as I met him. And you know, I, and you know, I went to his crib, met his brother, his mom, everybody. And um then like I said, man, the energy was right, man. Like I said, he was kinda whack at first, but I liked his voice. And I like his I like his hunger. Because it definitely reminded you know reminded me of me, you know when I started with the Busy Boys, right? So when he got it together, man, when he fucking connected with with Chi, and mind you, Chi had never rapped before, so oh. Chi didn't even know how to rap. So you, to this day, to, to this day, Chi still can't rap, but he can rap. You know what I mean? Right. He's just, so you his had to voice teach is him. so unusual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, teach them how many bars and everything when to quit so the cook can come in and all that stuff, right? <laughs> that, that's it. All you had to teach him was bars, but you couldn't teach him how to flow. I mean, his flow was just so wild, unusual anyway, you know what I mean? Because you know what? Him not being able to rap was definitely a gift for him. 
Because yeah. he's just a job talker, and that's all he was doing on those records was just job talking. You know what I mean? Right, right. So and it sounded dope. So, so, so we're gonna we're gonna roll the ball a little bit. Camp Low, you know, has their run. Mm-hmm. But when Camp Low's run is over, your run continues to go on. So, you know, just yep. tell us about right. moving from one group to the next after that. Well, look, after I did, you know, after I produced Reasonable Doubt and Camp Low, um, you know, and all that stuff was done up in D&D Studios. And D&D was, you know, obviously Primo's headquarters. You know what I mean? That was the spot. Right. So while you in D&D recording, everybody comes in. You see everybody Primo's working with. You see everybody that any producer that was doing hip-hop back in the 90s is working with. So mm-hmm. that's why I met Bahamadia. Um, um, nice. And um, and I end up, but a matter of fact, I end up doing that song that day I met him. And, you know, I'm recording it live at D&D. And once I had Cam Lowe out, Bahamadia and Jay-Z out at the same time on the charts, that's when, like, everybody, every artist in New York was calling to do music. And then I kind of got real deep into the production game, you know, from the little Cams to the Foxy Browns to the, you know, Nas, I was doing everybody's shit. And, you, and then, um, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, um, you know, I kind of, I didn't even really connect the Bahamadia moment, but when I think this is this is the early days of my stint on 102 Jams, and mm-hmm. and during that time period, I just remember that the artists that came through seemed to have this warmth and familiarity with the area and and the people. And it's, you know, when I hear you talk about, you know, all these people you're working with, you know, you have that connection. You got all these people passing through. I, I understand it a little bit better why certain people were so comfortable in Greensboro. And then, you know, yeah. you you had already mm-hmm. had dealings with these people. So when they come here, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're more comfortable. Like even when you just explained uh, Dame Dash, I'm saying thinking like, I remember meeting Bobby Dash and hanging out with him. He just always just so comfortable, and I and it seemed like once he found out I'm from Greensboro, he's comfortable because probably because oh, yeah, he knows yeah. you. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I, I man, look, I brought him down to Greensboro a couple of times. Right, right. Bobby, I could Dave, tell. Jay, all of them. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I could tell. He, he just lightened up when when I said Greensboro. He's oh, and we we hung out the rest of the weekend. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yep. So, mm-hmm. So okay, yeah. so uh, yeah, so you know, I end up producing a lot of people, and then uh, then I got offered the uh, the Rocker Block situation, and that's you know how I connected with the Sporty Thieves and ended up having my le- record label and dropping those guys, which was dope, dope experience. Uh, got uh, rest in peace, Brando. Right, right. Uh, that was amazing times, man. Amazing times. And then there's the Hot Right, the Hot Right. Oh yeah, then um, I did. Then I came after 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 Rocker Block. I came back home. You know what I mean. Oh, I moved yeah. back to NC. Oh yeah, got married, got a crib, and uh, and I got in, and the girl I was with at the time, before I got married, Dana, she said, "Hey, my sister's boyfriend, he raps. His name is Arthur Arthur Wright. I think he go by the name Hot Wright, but he want to meet you." As soon as I met Hot, I was like, "Yes, I like I love his voice. Like you know, and, and his funny style of rapping was amazing." I'm like, "Yo, you." You know, like we're kind of with the raps, but it it worked for me. You know, he and, was and that's, he was the precursor to Plies. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So, so he was definitely flash. He was definitely flash. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Heard high right. You know, we just you know the, the day after he came to the crib, we just started making songs. Then we came up with you know the right now joint, and then he introduced me to Missy Rack and Crunk. I met Crunk in Greensboro uh, to Wayne. I think Wayne was managing at the time. And Crump was wild talented, you know, playing the keys. He could sing, he could rap, he was dope. So that was the first now city. Missy Rack, High Right, and Crump. Right. And then High Right, you know, he got his deal. And, he, you know, he went out and kind of ventured out on his own. And Crump, Crump was like a loner. You know what I'm saying? Crump was more into, you know, what he was doing with his music. So he always wanted to, you know, do his thing. And, you know, and he had the challenge. 100% dope, you know what I'm saying? Right. And Missy, you know, she was just, Missy was just, Missy Rack, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, she's she, she, Rack, she's you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I, I mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed all those people. She's just, she's just wild. She, man, shit, man. I wish, man, she would have got on, she would have been a problem to this day still, bro, because she was that ill. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, look, but Little Rise was always around, you feel me? Yeah. Little Rise was always around because I was in Winston. So he would always be around Missy, always be like, he'll come through sometime with Hot Right. And, you know, and him and his brother Trav. And Roz, I liked his voice. I thought he was dope. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how I met Kia. I met Kia Smith. I don't know how I met her. Um, and, and Dolo, I always knew Dolo when he was with Nasty Fruit, Skaz and them out in Durham. And they, you know, they always, it was always dope. They was like authentic hip hop cats you know what i'm saying yeah yeah. you know the whole city they'll they'll be playing yeah i'm in durham now you know what i'm saying okay okay so you know yeah indeed i see a lot of cats all the time now Mm -hmm. so what i met when when i connected with rise and and kia you know i said i need to find somebody so i reached out to dolo he said he was with it so they came to the crib we sat down we started recording records and it, it, it came out good we ended up getting them a deal they went on the gray goose tour they was doing their thing it was about to be big, man, but damn, it just kind of, it just didn't fucking go all the way. You know what I'm saying? That curl just didn't curl all the way, my dude. But nah. if it would have, yeah, I, I would have still been home. All right. Well, let me let me get your opinion on a topic that we did a whole podcast about. And it was, okay. um, well, part of it was why North Carolina never quite broke, you know, when, when we've had so much talent. My My thing was that we never really had a definable sound that stood out so we could, we put people out there and, you know, but until we find somebody that has a definable sound that everybody could, could latch on to, it's hard for one area to, you know, to get any traction. That was my take on it. But now, well, I mean, it it, it was that. And at the time, you know, hip hop, you know, it was kind of new, especially when I came around doing my thing and, and we didn't have a full, understanding of how if we like if we as a state support our artists for real and really show love the majors players will take notice of that and bring more you know attention to the area how they doing the baby see how the baby is doing this thing now right because the, the area is supporting him you know what I mean Right, right. And if they, they would have did that for us back when we started, we would have never had, you know, I would have never had to go to New York to, yeah. to you know, get what I wanted to get. Well, I got a, I got a question for you. I don't like when I was on the radio, 
Like you know, in Greensboro, we we were holding you down big time in Greensboro. So, oh yeah, for sure. But was it a struggle getting support from the rest of the state? You know, I know you know Greensboro, Winston Salem. You know, of course, they're all over it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean they I they, they show they show love they show love, but what we needed them to do is buy them records and them CDs, right? Because you know the sales. You know what I'm saying? We was getting the spins on the radio. But the sales wasn't translating. Right. If we'd have got them sales, boy, you know, they would have took notice, man. Right, right. Gotcha. They took notice. But right. like I said, I had to I had to leave Greensboro just to, you know, go after what I wanted to go after. Yeah. Because I knew I could do it, but I just had to be where it was happening, you know what I mean? Right. Right. So so I I've I've been noticing, like, you know, we we talk a lot about the evolution of music. And uh-huh. and we we come from an analog world, you know. We we grew up with with tapes, and we played vinyl, and we sampled uh-huh. on eight bit, um, you know, SPs. Um, uh-huh. And now things, everything's digital. And I was I was talking before you before you got on. I was saying, hey man, when you're talking about ski, you're talking about a guy who's who's been able to make the transition every step of the way. And, you know, for me, that's been a challenge. Like, after, you know, after the ASR, I've been kind of lost, Ski. Been kind of lost. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, happens, it happens. You know what I'm saying? But I was telling them that, that not only have you kept up with what's going on, you know, I, I see you on, on YouTube explaining how to work the machine, you know, and that yeah. that intrigues me. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm thoroughly impressed by your ability to keep up with what's going on because it, people don't understand how much time it takes to be on top of this stuff and be able to to work all this stuff. So tell us a little bit about what you had to do to be able to get to this place as well because outside of producing music and, and, and discovering artists, you know, you're behind the scenes with machine innovation, are you not? Man, look, man. The new NPCs, Machine, Ableton, everything, anything, I can worry. Because <laughs> you know what? You got to look at it like this. First of all, I'm just a straight nerd when it comes to anything electronic. I got to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? I, I have to. That's just how I'm built. I'm always trying to figure shit out. Uh, and secondly, man, you know, technology, man, you know, you got you to gotta roll with it. Yeah. You got to roll with it, man. Yeah. Now and, that Dana passed away, I'm lost, man. I don't have anybody to explain this stuff to me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, it's all it's, it's all the same thing. It's just, you know, like Native might be Chinese. Uh, Ableton might be Japanese. You know, Akai might be American. I mean, it's all, it's all the same thing. They all speak the same language. You just got to figure out how to translate it. That's all. They all do the same thing, bro. Sample, chop. <laughs> sequence you know what i mean right they all right. do the exact same thing it don't take no time to learn that stuff so so tell me how how did um so how do you end up like when i see you on the official novation page explaining something or you know on their youtube is that do you, are you working for them when you do that or they just know you're really good at it and can and they just use a, a you know a clip from from something how does that work uh, no, nah, they they hire you. You know what I'm saying? They hire you. I mean, nowadays these companies are looking for influencers. You know that they're right. looking for you know influencers that use their equipment that people respect, and you know that maybe you know they'll get a couple sales from it. So 
when I'm working with these companies from Ableton to um, Native to Kai, you know, that's that's what they want. They want me to, you know, show some videos of me doing what I do on it, and maybe, you know, they'll get some sales and shit. Right. It's right. fun, you know, it, 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 it's, it's fun, it's cool. Yeah, and I, I wanted to make sure that, that we got, that we went over that because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people need to understand, especially young people that want to yeah. be involved in hip-hop. You know, they see rappers, they see DJs, and, you know, they see producers, and they see sales, they see shows. But yeah. there's so many avenues within, you know, within the music where you can get paid yeah. and earn a living doing things. And and you telling us about how you are able to, you know, you're an influencer and they, they want you, you know, they want you to show you working their equipment. That's another avenue that I want people in the, in the hip hop world to know about that. That's a way for you to earn out here. You know, that people might not have known was even available. You know what I mean? No, you got to look at it, man. You got these kids that's like 17, 18, 19 years old on YouTube channels with a million subscribers. They making like 250 K a month getting checks from YouTube. Being influencers, talking about equipment, you know what I mean? Right, right. It's, it's, it's like a, it's like a whole, bruh. It's a whole other world, kid. Like you know, you know, I'm doing the, the Smack Pack challenges on on my IG page. I don't know if you follow me on IG, but yes, every month, you know, I do the challenges for the producers, and they be tapping in. They love that, man. You know, and I love that they love that because you know that just reminded me when I first started making beats, and I wanted people to you know hear my music, whatever. But we got a whole community. We probably got like five to six hundred people strong that's just posting beats, you know, every month, which is crazy. Word. That's what's mm-hmm. up, man. Yeah, I bought a I bought a machine about two or three years ago. And okay. now that I'm in Durham instead of Greensboro, you know, at the time, you know, I would get something, I sit down, like, you know, people like Showdown, uh, Dana, uh, Chaos, folks in Greensboro, I could just go sit down with that might already have one of the machines. You know, you can just pick up some stuff, watch them work it for a little while, and it, and it cuts out all that reading that I got to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because chaos, chaos is the man. Yeah, he told me that's, that's what he said. He said, yo, but but now I'm in Durham, so I got to make my way back up there and spend some time, man. So there's nothing, uh-huh. there's nothing like being there, man. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, yep. so. That's um man, you got you got an incredible story. So where are we now? What's what's going on? Okay, we we got all the way up through Camp Lowe and, and everything, and we talked about mm-hmm. the production and how things have changed. What you got going yep. on today? Is there is there anybody that we should be looking out for? Well, you know, we got uh, the I think we dropping Pilot Talk for on Christmas. That's with currency. Mm. Um. Yeah, I produced the whole album. It should be out on Christmas. That's going to be, I think, I think you know, the real Jet Lifers are going to uh, appreciate that album. Um, and you know, I got the, um, you know, I'll be, I be teaching too, man. I got um, I got a couple of curriculums in, um, in um, Casual County right now, teaching kids how to use Ableton. So I'm in the classrooms in uh, Casual County, 9th, 10th, 11th grade. Got the Ski Beats curriculum going on down there, the Dojo uh-huh. curriculum. That's what's up, um, man. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, we're doing the challenges, um, and I'm 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 really deep in the sound design right now. I'm doing a lot of sound design stuff. 
So I'm doing these sample packs, um, and I'm and and I'm, but I'm reinventing how I how to market them, opposed to you know me saying, "Hey, come get my sounds." You know, I do the challenges. I give I give opportunities. Right now, we're doing a smoke pack, and basically, the smoke pack is every month. Smoke Dizza is writing the whole song. I'll send Smoke Dizza beat break. They'll write a verse hook, verse hook. You know what I'm saying? And he'll right. send it back to me, and then I'll include that in the pack pack the acapella version and so the producer's job is to create a song with it and yeah. a, you know and whatever song smoke like he'll put it on the album so right now we got a community-based album being produced we got our first song uh from my man landscape from canada he killed it and we're doing the next one in like three weeks and we're just gonna build an album that'll be like two songs but produced by you know the community you know what i mean uh you know what i'm about to get in yeah. there <laughs> I'm about to get in that man. I'm gonna grab some old ASR stuff. <laughs> it's ready to rock, though. I'm telling you, <laughs> we'll be glad to have you, man. Come on. So, <laughs> so that's what you got going on. You're teaching, you're teaching the youth how to rock out uh-huh. on this digital equipment and get their sound recording on, right? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it's crazy because. In school now, there's like a lack of attendance when it comes to like band. Like nobody's wanting to pick up a horn or some drums, but everybody want to get on some software and try to be the next, you know, big producer. And that's where the kids are at. They love it, man. They having fun with it. I mean, we we sell out. The class sells out every year. Yeah, and it's and it's financially feasible too because these kids are recording stuff in their bedrooms. Like, think about mm-hmm. the sound quality they're able to get right now, man, with the simplest of of equipment, like. Crazy man, like we just we used to pay like four hundred dollars an hour to get that sound quality. Now you just right download a free app and you rock it. You sound right. like a million dollar studio. Right, it's insane, man. It's insane. Yeah. Things change so much, man. Now, the lastly, lastly, we talk about a whole. We talk about music a lot, right? And mm-hmm. we talk about influences from all over the place. I think uh, the other day we we're talking about. The influence of Go-Go, and I just want to get you in on this conversation about how influential right. Go-Go was on hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? And, oh, uh, man, come on. Hey, you know, and and as a producer, I, w- I want to, like, I'm, I'm speaking producer talk. Like, mm-hmm. the, the way that beats were made, the introduction of Go-Go brought the bounce into hip-hop. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I was going to say, if you listen to Dead President's number, Go-Go. <clears throat> That's go go. That's something that only another producer understands when I'm talking about it. You know, when you when you when you click T on your SP. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you get that, that triple, you know, and and that sound, you know, is 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 meshed with the early days of hip hop all the way through. I was, t- I was explaining on one of the podcasts, like we had trouble funk playing for the sugar Hill gang back in the day. You know, they were, they were the house band at sugar Hill records briefly. You know, you knew about that. So mm-hmm. of course, go, go is going to be a major influence on hip hop. Cause you know, my man DL at first, he was like, I don't like go, go. I was like, you ain't heard the right go, go on boy. You like hip hop. You like go, go. If you say oh, you yeah. don't, you ain't heard the right go, go yet. And Go-Go is amazing. <laughs> yes, indeed. Go-Go is amazing. Yes, indeed. Brought so much to the game. And, mm-hmm. and man, look, Go-Go is, is so much a part of my life, man. I used to go to all the a jams, man. That's, you know, a being the melting pot 
And, you know, it's a billion go-go people with ANC. So when you go to the to that little gym jam they used to do all the time, that's all you used to hear the DJ play, especially K-9. Farting. Yeah. Hey. Dun, 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 dun. That shit is dope, bro. Right. Right. And I was explaining to DL that, you know, go-go used to have rappers. You know, you used to be just as likely to hear your rap in a go-go song as you did in mm-hmm. hip-hop, you know? Explaining them early mm-hmm. days of Trouble Funk and, and Rare Essence when they had rappers kicking the joints, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, it was a different kind of cadence, but it was still rap. Right. It was still MCs on the mic, but it was more like party. They was always amped and trying to get you hyped, you know what I mean? Yep, yep. And uh, the what, Pump Me Up, you had Grandmaster Flash did one version, but also had already been done by Trouble Funk. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They, yeah, man, the joints were hard back in the day. So, you know, I'm just, I always got to, I feel like I got to defend go-go sometimes to hip-hop heads. <laughs> go-go, go-go's incredible, man. You know man, what I mean? I'm, I'm, I love go-go, man, from the madness, the madness hats and the socks. But, I mean, the old school go-go, when it first hit North Carolina, it was wild. Yes, Colorful. Yes. super colorful. yes. <laughs> Yes, man, we could do this all night, man. I'm telling you, but we, but unfortunately, you know, we got to keep it down to, to something that people can that's palatable. You know what I mean? <laughs> Nobody gonna listen to a three hour podcast. Gotcha. <laughs> hey, but for real, man, Ski, man, we appreciate every ounce of this, man. And you know, every time I see you, man, I tell you, thank you for everything you've done for us in the past, man. And that's you know, I'm talking about me and my people. You know what I mean? So, nah, man, I appreciate y'all. You already know. Yep. So I say it again. And um, anything you want to add, DL? Man, uh, thank you for taking the time. You know, um, we're building uh, um, a strategic fan base over here with this specialized conversations and dialogue that we're having. And you add nice. value to what we have going on. So I just want to, you know, and, and, and well, because we talk about hip hop and North Carolina hip-hop, I couldn't do another episode without actually talking to someone who I know is homegrown and uh, is of legend status and not for... I, I think it's so dope because it's not just for words, not to downplay words, but because of putting sounds together. And sometimes people say North Carolina doesn't have a sound um, North Carolina might not have a uniform sound, but if you listen to a lot of NYC-ish, it, it sounds very <laughs> North Carolina to me. <laughs> no I was going to say, man, no, look, let me say, a lot of North Carolina cats gave a lot of New York brothers they sound, bro. Thank you. And right on. What Big say, dude, I mean, uh, Jada said, dude brought the East back. I think he was talking about the cat. Hey. <laughs> Look, all these dudes, a lot of people secretly from the South anyway. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but it's everybody's just, from the South. Yeah, no, somewhere, no. somewhere or another, everybody's from the South, bro. Absolutely. Amen. It's, Amen. Just, it's, it's just something about them Carolina boys. And I think you, like I said, you're a legend. And, you know, I thought it was important that we did have this conversation because I feel like this. I'm sitting next to a legend also. And, um, you know, so that we just going to keep this thing going, you know, and keep, keep it up of, of substance. So we appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time out, brother. Not a problem, man. Thank you. Okay. Well, you take care. All right. Y'all be cool. All right. Ski, we'll be in touch, man. This is capital city with capital J.